0: It's hard to imagine that in just two weeks, two Sundays, we'll be approaching Christmas. But uh, I'm sure all of you are done with your shopping. Houses are decorated and everything's wrapped. Amen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, move on to the next item, right? So we're making the list, checking it twice, and we don't care who's naughty or nice. We just give them gifts, right? No. <laughs> so, but the, the gifts... I have a quote this week I heard, Christmas is not measured by the gifts we receive, Christmas is measured by the life we lead. (laughs) So it's not by the gifts we receive, but it's by our life. And um, I was thinking of how that our lives continue to evolve, if we can use that word, how that our lives continue to grow and develop, that we are not the same people we were last year. I know that some of us have gotten one of us has gotten heavier and balder, and, uh, but uh, we've changed. you know We've changed, whether we like it or not, we have changed. And so we're, we're ever in this process, but the challenge for us is to choose to choo- to... <laughs> All right, The challenge for us is to choose to grow, not to try and stay the same. I don't want to be the same. You can't be the same. You're either going to go up or you're going to go down, but you're going to change. And our challenge is, how are we going to allow the Word of God to be part of every change in our life? How are we going to allow the Word of God to infiltrate every aspect of our being? And what I mean, you're waking, you're sleeping, you're going out and you're coming in, your toys, (laughs) your work, your vocation, your... Hobbies, every aspect of our living is to, be, is to be impacted by the Word of God. And the title of our message today is Spirit Conceived. Now, we are aware of the birth of Christ, and we are aware of how the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And in Matthew chapter uh, 1, verses 18 to 25, we're going to read portions of that. That the birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. You know, as we begin to see how that, uh, the impact. Sometimes we read this and it's like, okay, Mary was, Mary conceived and Mary had a child and, you know, they lived happily ever after. Um, the, in, in that society, it was a very closed society. Everything was done by the laws laws of regulations, laws of structure, laws that were adhered to vehemently to the point that Mary allowing herself to say, yes, I'm the one, to allow the Holy Spirit to conceive in her a child and not being married took a great deal of faith because in that society they had every right to stone her. So the, you know, 90% of the time, they would have been stoned for her sin of her breaking her betrothal to Joseph. And had Joseph sought the, the um, action of the law, to live by the letter of the law, he could have had her stoned. So there was a number of things going on here that Mary and her desire to be receptive, to be willing to obey, behold the handmaiden of the Lord, and her willingness to receive what God was going to do in her life would have been a great risk to her, her physical life. And whenever we think about the Holy Spirit conceiving the word of God, the word made flesh and dwelt among us, the scripture, when the Holy Spirit conceives this word in our lives, it is, it is, a, it is a conception that births a life. It births life within us being saved, being confessing our sin and allowing the recognition of the cross of Jesus Christ to infiltrate our being, our person, that the Holy Spirit takes that death and that sacrifice for our sin and cleanses us from all sin and he brings us into, we are allowed then, free access into the presence of God. We are, I, I heard this story this week, you know, sometimes you, you wonder, when does, the, when does the preacher start getting a sermon ready? Oh, about 10.30 on Saturday night, you know? No. <laughs> sometimes you just can't find anything, and it you know, will last to then. But um, I started this one a week and a half ago, so, you know, you got a whole week and a half's worth. So there's this, this idea, when Jesus was on the cross, the thief said to, me, said to him, remember me whenever you come into paradise. And one thought in that remember is re re-member. Put me back together. Put my life back together. Remember me. And one of the thoughts that goes with that is on the crucifixion, they would have, they would have dislocated the shoulder joints for the people to suffocate more quickly. You see, whenever you're hanging on the cross... The, all of the muscles pull and that you can't breathe. Most of the time people suffocate. And so if they dis, dislodge their shoulders, people will suffocate to get to, uh, more quickly. And, so, and we know that in, uh, in later on in the afternoon of the crucifixion, they went and broke the legs of the thieves, of the other two individuals on the cross, so that they could not push themselves up to breathe. See, the crucifixion was one of those horrendous types of death that uh, literally could take days to die. But having your shoulders dislocated, having your legs broken, would create the suffocation more quickly. But the idea that the thief said, remember me, is, God, put me back together again. Put me back together again in your kingdom. And whenever we start, you know, and I, I you know, go off on our little thoughts here, whenever we start seeing how that God, by his grace, forgives us of our sins and, and establishes our relationship with him, God knew us before the creation of the earth, before there was, a, he knew who we were. He knew who, uh, you know, that while you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew you and prepared you. I, I put in there everything that you're gonna need for life. you know God put in there everything we're going to need for life now did you ever wish you were somebody else their life would be a burden to you you couldn't live their life because they couldn't live yours and everything that is in you is equipped for your life and your talents and your abilities are who you are and God didn't make a mistake so God put in place everything that we need and, and this, this whole idea is that when Jesus forgives us of our sins that we are, we are cleansed and it's like we had never sinned. Justification is a legal term that, that is a, uh, a jury, is a judge saying that everything, it's an acquittal. There are no sins against you. So if there are no sins against us, No wrongdoing ever remembered against us. We have been acquitted of all of our crimes because of the sacrifice of Christ. Then I am, as it were, in that moment of time, without sin. And that's the person, well, it's an image of the person, that God had in mind when he created us. When God had us in mind, he saw us as a person that could be had tremendous potential and without sin and so as we have freedom then to move into this move to right into the throne room of god we have freedom to move into the throne room of god and to come and pray and god wants to bestow upon us he wants to bestow his blessing and all he says if you have if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, if you have, God wants to bless us and be so involved in our lives, he tells us if we just have the most infinitesimal amount of faith, he will move into our lives and bring blessings and bring hope, bring restoration You know, to tap the abilities that he's already put in there, to tap the resources that he's already stuck in you. And that we're just developing them and we're allowing the word to come into our lives and birth, conceive, and birth the potential of what we would have been had we never failed. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. And (laughs) we remember how that God has brought us into this relationship. And you see that God has conceived in us he has birthed in us the Spirit and birthed in us the power of his Spirit. And he says, the birth of Jesus took this place this way. It was by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph didn't know that. So Mary was depending a lot on God that she wasn't going to die for this, this pregnancy. And Joseph, chagrined but noble, says, Determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. Joseph was a noble person and he didn't want to harm this person that he loved but couldn't figure out how she became with child. Was she raped by a Roman soldier? Was she, you know, was she unfaithful to him? You know, how do you have, you know, what a preposterous story. An angel came to you. And while he was trying to figure out a way, he had a dream. God's angels spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. Spirit conceived. If sometimes we birth, there is a conception inside of us of things we could become, of things we could do. And there is this longing in our heart to do something. You know, and I started thinking about this. Um, it's hard, you know, you, you know, when you get me thinking, it's a long process. But uh, I, I remember years ago, I always, I always prayed for, you know, people who had cancer. I prayed, God, you know, I know that somebody somewhere is going to come up with a cure for this and i always thought in the back of my mind you know that's for smart people not for people like me and and i was thinking of this the other day we were talking about uh, jenny our daughter in law how that uh, she uh, received this uh, vaccine that comes from individuals who have the her2 new gene you know and there's a vaccine that works for premenopausal women who have the her2 new gene that is like the miracle cure I started thinking about that. I was part of the group that helped raise the money and build the building in which the research was done with Walter Reed for that vaccine that my daughter-in-law received. I was part of that. I wasn't the main part. I didn't come up with the vaccine. But I was still part of it. And I was I was thinking about those dreams, those, those longings, and it's like, how do we know what we can't be part of? How do you know that you can't be part of, you see, this is the conception. What is it that God has conceived for your life and my life as we go about serving him? Thought about being a scientist? (laughs) Who, me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you. Thought about being what? What's in your heart? What do you dream of? Whenever, you know, whenever we're sitting under the stars and looking up at the, at the stars or the moon and things like that, how far can we go? I mean, this, they shot off a rocket the other day, and it's in preparation for what, going to Mars? Well, they have, there's a dream. You see, if, how can something be fulfilled if there's not a dream? And dream makers, dream makers are hard to find. Now, people who who, who blow up dreams—they're everywhere, you know. You know, there—you could never do that. Oh, don't! How could you think of doing? You see, we, we put in, we put, we plant, we conceive, we put a seed in things. And if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, God can birth things in your mind and in your heart that are inconceivable for you to do, because you can't dream that big. We can't dream to that proportion. Because only God can take us and put in, you know, because we have this so limited perspective of life. What is a God-sized dream? What is a God-sized dream that he wants to birth in your life? You see, we're being challenged by the Spirit. We're being challenged by the Holy Spirit to, Mary, I'm going to give you a child. And you're not going to know a man. And you're going to have a baby. How many would say yeah, ladies? How many say, yeah, okay, I'll go for that? <laughs> try try telling that to your friends. <laughs> Not gonna get very far. But you see, it happened once. There was this um, there's this couple, this is a joke, okay? Okay, I'm just a joke, okay preceding this. There was this couple who were in Israel, and uh, you can use the husband or the wife, either one, okay? The one, one of them died and went to the funeral director and says, well, you can pay uh, $30,000 and you can have the body transported overseas and then you've got to take it back to America and all that and have, um, and, you know, for the, you know, the burial and things like that. Or you can have them for $500, you can have them cremated and buried here, you know in in Israel, and the person thought for a minute and says, "Well, I'll pay the thirty thousand and send them home." I said, "Well, why would you do that?" He says, "Well, two thousand years ago, this one guy rose from the dead, and I don't want to take any chances. We're sending him back home <laughs> okay that's you know that's that, that's really funny, husband, you know, but you see. The idea is, <laughs> do, you, do you get it? You know, one guy rose from the dead, don't want to take it. yeah, all right. One guy one, one guy, one woman, you know, so. It's a hard crowd, but <laughs> this whole conception things more than we can imagine, right? But that's, that's the whole point. It's more than what we can imagine. It can't be us, it can't be you, it can't be, this can't be birthed in you. It has to come from God. These are, these are the God initiatives. These are the God things that he wants in your life. And what are the God things? And if God has birthed a thing in your life, then he can give you the ability to get there. And it's going to take his giftings. It's going to take his blessing. It's going to take his favor working in your life. You see, um, it goes on. And, and a spirit conceived, Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph had to know the truth about Mary and what was going on. And you see, in our lives, there is this truth that has to keep coming into our life to affirm what God has already put there, what God has already planted there. There is the truth of God's Spirit that comes alongside of us to teach us and to to help us understand what God is doing. And the truth keeps being affirmed, keeps being energized, keeps being initiated. You see, what we want to do, what we want to accomplish... We need to, we're, we, want, we need to ask God for. We need to ask God for His help and His guidance, because God will take us further than we can ever dream we could go on our own. God will open the abilities that He has already placed there in our lives, these seeds of God's goodness and of His mercy and of His grace. you see... Christmas is not measured by the gifts we receive, measured by the life we lead. God wants us to lead a life that directs people back to God. God wants us to be sowers of his seed, of, of his word in people's lives. And, and he wants us to, to recognize that there is nothing that we cannot do. There's nothing impossible to those that believe. To those who have that measure of faith, you can say and do anything in this planet. Why? Because the God of your father Abraham, the God of Jesus Christ, Christ, God the Son, has come into our lives and he has initiated this. So our faith is something that God is building. And he is is stirring up the gifts that are inside of us, the abilities that are inside of us. God has a a plan for them. God has a purpose for them. God is going to work those things. You know, the Bible says in um, somewhere... Matthew 8:28, I believe it is, that uh, no, it's not Matthew. Um, all things work together for good. Flipping. Well, I have it down here. But anyhow, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I thought of this. What's that? Yeah, Romans. Thank you. I see. I gave it to them. I had it down. Romans 8:28. The puzzle of our life. You, you know, I don't like, how many like puzzles? Yeah. I don't like puzzles. Why? All the pieces look the same. And I'm sure that half those pieces belong to some other puzzle. Because <laughs> they're never where I want to put them. But all of the, every piece, every piece of the puzzle has one spot. Okay? Think about our lives as a piece each day as pieces of the puzzle. And they are connected to other pieces. When we isolate events, when we take things that hurt or are not good or whatever and we isolate them, we think the whole, piece of the whole puzzle revolves around that pain, around that situation. But what the rest of the puzzle is telling us is and and our faith is telling us all things are put together for good (laughs) there's a good coming from this now we can be set on it's it's the worst thing it'll never work We've blown it. It's, it's, it's beyond our abilities. This piece, is, it's not going to be good. This, this can't be good in my life. And we, we're looking, we're isolated, and we see a piece or a section of the puzzle, and we start believing, <laughs> believing that this is bad. And our spirit births in us the concept of the word that says everything every piece of the puzzle will come together for a divine good in the end. But also in the trust that goes on in the day. Because if I am looking for the good, if I am looking for how that God wants to change me and how that God wants to, to birth in me a divine principle, I've got to allow the Spirit of God the freedom to move in my life and give me Teach me. Help me to see that this is just one aspect of my being, one aspect of my life. It's one piece of a puzzle that stretches backward in time until I was born and will go forward in time until I go home to heaven and God knows the whole puzzle before I ever initiated a piece. (laughs) So God is at work because I believe and I know that God says while I was yet in my mother's womb he knew me for me. He had a plan for me and now I am in this process of choosing. Is this good or is this bad? Is this good or is this bad? Am I growing and learning and believing or am I doubting and grumbling and complaining? <laughs> Let's hear it for the grumblers and the complainers. <laughs> Let's hear it for the I believe that this is good. I believe that this is good. I believe that God has a purpose. And you know what? Sometimes he runs into a brick wall. Our mind. And our will. And our determination to make it something that God didn't say it was. You see, In Acts 17, 28, it says, Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. The desire of God is to reveal himself. The desire of a spiritual life is is an understanding, a revelation to our, to our life. God desires to reveal. We have him captivated in a little box that says, this is religion and this is faith, and we open it up on Sunday morning and we close it up after church. You know, we have this conception that, that God, this is my life, this is where I live and go to church and what I pray and believe in. That's my God life. And then over here, that's an entirely different life. No, they're all the same. God is at work in every aspect, every avenue of our being. And we're not just groping around in the dark. I'm just not trying to get you mind over matter. I'm not trying to say that, you know, that you know, everything is going to be okay as long as you trust in the energy. No, As long as we trust in God. I trust in God. I know he cares for me. (sighs) On troubled seas. No matter what. I can trust him. You know. The. Hymn that we read. It is the sing. We don't sing it very often but because it's difficult to sing, It Is Well With My Soul. When, look that one up. Someone look it up. It was Well With My Soul. I think it's Stratford wrote it. Spatterford, Stratford, whatever. I can't remember right now. But um, he and the, the, his children and his wife were crossing the ocean. And they ran into another ship. And all four of his, I think it was four of his children, all of his children were killed and only his wife survived. And when he was crossing the ocean to be with his wife, the pilot of the ship said, this is the the spot where the the wreck took place. This is the area where the wreck took place. And it was at that place he wrote this hymn. What page is it, dear? I don't have a hymnal. Read it. Just read the the first the words, not the when when peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well. When sorrows like sea billows roll. You see, that it's, it's such a figurative thing. But here he is in the middle of the ocean talking about the sea billows roll of sorrow. It is in that very place he knows that he is safe because the word of God has been birthed in his life that no matter what the piece of the puzzle says, this is a terrible thing. This is a life-altering event. This is but yet then right in that moment there is the conception of grace and of mercy actually it's the birth of grace and mercy it was in his soul it was in his life but it was that event that brought it to the surface it was that event that brought his life to a whole new level of spiritual understanding and these are the events that happen in life that bring to us bring us to a whole new level of understanding god is in control God is part of every aspect of our lives and we are the one who locks him out or opens it up. We are the ones who initiate or close down. We are the ones who are grateful or ungrateful. What's the last verse say? Lord, let the days, let it haste. Let us reach the end of time when the the clouds are rolled back and, you know, like a scroll. And 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 basically, the sea gives up the dead and we are able to arise to heaven and I see my children again. (laughs) You see, the birth of the scripture, how that the scripture is in his life and it was adversity that brought it to the forefront and caused him to see how that God was at work. The Holy Spirit had placed the thoughts of, his, of the word in his life and it was life events that brought the truth of that word to reality. What life events do you and I face? What life events are we facing? How much of that word is part of our life? Part of our hobbies? Part of our jobs? Part of our relationships? Part of who we are as an individual? How much of that word comes out in what we do and say with one another. The word has to be planted. And you know what? In our lives, God has planted his word and he will bring a harvest. Now the the, the, the devil comes and throws weeds in there you know seeds of weeds and the weeds and the seeds the, the good and the bad grow together, but don't worry about the good and the bad. Because at the harvest time, God will do the separation. I am the one who has to grow the good seed. I'm the one who has to allow what God has birthed by his spirit in my life. I'm the one who must open my heart and allow him to, to give to me that revelation that I am about good things and I am about love and I am about forgiveness and I am about blessing and I am about how that we're going to prepare a place. God has gone to prepare a place for us and how that those who have died before us, they're in heaven, but we are still here and we're part of this life and God has a a purpose for our life. He has a purpose for our serving. (sighs) And we're not groping around in the dark, but we actually find him. We find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He is near. We live and move in him and can't get away from him. The King James says we live and move and have our being in Christ. Now, I've got one other thought. If, another illustration, If every second in our day were a dollar, we would have $86,400 in a day. 86,400 seconds in a day. Now, if every one of them was a dollar, $86,400 were ours every day. You can't bank it. You can't save it. You can't do anything but, but give it away or hoard it to disappear. So what are we called to do? We're called every day to give every second that we possess away. Asking God's favor, God's blessing, God's abundance, God's love that we are going to deposit that in the world around us, in the people around us. We're depositing God's love, we're depositing his seed, we're depositing his word so that he will bring that word to reality not only in us but in others. It is divinely conceived, his word in us. Amen? Shall we stand? The one psalm, it says, making everything right for them and their children. God is making everything right for them and their children as they follow his covenant ways. God is making everything right. All things work together for good, all things are part of a divine good. We have to see it. The, the Stratiford. What is his name? Spatterford. Spatterford saw the good that God was initiating even in the death. He saw the hope that was in, in him. God, Father, Jesus, Friend, My Brother, hear our prayers that we might allow the seed of your word to be planted in us. Planted, not buried. Planted in us to grow a harvest, to grow a life that will make a difference for me and for all those around me in this life and in eternity. God, thank you Thank you for loving us. Thank you for just being part of us. Thank you, God, for planning for our lives and birthing dreams, conceiving dreams inside of us that one day will be birthed. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing can ever separate us from you. Everything is in your hand. Help us, O God, to follow the leading of your spirit. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Every second, give it away.